Double G from the Fight Game Podcast and Fight Game Media here. For you Karate Kid fans, Chris DePetrillo and I are back this week to review the last film in our series, The Next Karate Kid. Yes, the Hillary Swank one. It will be on our Patreon first, but will also be in this feed, the Fight Game Media Network, later this week. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our Patreon because you're going to receive two new podcasts exclusive to our Patreon where Chris and I break down the newest season of Cobra Kai, which drops on Netflix on New Year's Day. We're going to go over the first half of the season and then the second half of the season in two separate shows. We also have reviews of the first three seasons of Cobra Kai as well as great breakdowns of the first three Karate Kid films in our archives, and you may even find out some information you didn't know about Daniel-san and company. Head over patreon.com front slash fight game media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network, the final show of 2021. I'm Carlos Toro. As always, Robert Silva joining me here. Robert, how are you doing? It's the final show of the year. Happy New Year to all the listeners. Happy holidays. Um, 2021 finished with a bang as far as boxing goes. And we're hoping that 2022 continues that trend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a, I, I would say, we had a really strong end of the year, all things considered. Yes. I mean, this was one of the, I would say, one of the stronger winters slash late falls that we've had in recent memory. Well, 2019 was sensational. I was, I would put this at number two. No, but it's two, up there. To, it's, it's up there. But 2019 had all those great fight of the year uh, type fights in in um, the fall and winter with Spence versus up. Uh, Porter, of course, Inoue versus uh, Donaire. I mean, it was one. Uh, Taylor Progress. You had all those great fights late in the year. So Golovkin, Derevianchenko was another yes, great one. Golovkin, Dever. Oh, and oh, wait, uh, no, that was 2018. Yeah, 2019. You're right, Golovkin. You had all these great, great fights. 2021, though, you you had great fights because Crawford Porter was excellent, and of course, uh. Fury Wilder 3, you had a lot. I mean, 2021, like Carlos said, we finished with a bang. Let's hope we can continue that trend in 2022. Let's not wait till the last quarter. Let's have great fights every quarter. So we may not. So this past weekend, the final, well, like sort of final weekend uh, of the year. I know there there's technically a fight on December 31st, and that falls on a Friday. But the last full weekend of 2021, was a the also the final PBC card of the year. Their I guess you could say traditional or annual uh, Christmas time card. Uh, you, you can sort of say that right around that time. It was yeah, around this time they they always have like uh there was right, that, the some card, but it wasn't dead set yeah. on December twenty fifth yeah. or the twenty fourth. But it was around that it's time. Usually- it's usually the last weekend of the year, the last official Saturday of the year. Yeah, and this was, I would not say a strange card, but it was certainly a card where it was filled with a lot of prospects and a lot of guys that PBC are high on for the future. No real stars per se, but this drew maybe the biggest audience PBC has ever had in the Fox era, and it was headlined by Vito Milnicki Jr. against Nicholas DeLomba. It was a dominant 10-round fight where Milnicki was just, he was pretty darn good. He was firing on all cylinders for all, uh, all things considered. Scored a 10-round TKO over DeLomba. Takes another good step in his development and now has won two in a row since the loss to James Martin back in April. And... The the interesting part in this card really is the what type of ratings on the viewership for this card because this was a bit of an experiment. You know, boxing, as far as I know, boxing has never had a nationally televised card in the U.S. on Christmas Day. 
I think I read somewhere that I think the last car, the last time the United States had a boxing card on Christmas Day was like in the I think 1969 or, or something. 19, like. Christmas of 1969 was the last time there was a boxing card in the United States of America. So PBC was putting a very big it was it really wasn't a big card, but they had the benefit of having a massive. NFL game between the Packers and the Browns, and I really don't want to talk about that game because as a Browns fan, I'm infuriated over this team for the past month or so. But well, that uh, that that ended their season, so uh, you could be infuriated all you want. <laughs> but the card, I and uh, we don't know uh, the final. All I number. got to say about that. All I got to say about that, Carlos, is trade Baker Mayfield. Even if you get a seventh round pick, get him out of here. Go ahead. So the we don't know the final ratings and the final viewership, obviously because of the holiday weekend ratings get a bit of a delay. But we did get the fast nationals and of the PBC card, and it ultimately ended up being at a roughly two point six million viewers, which is an insane number in today's era. And obviously, you had a big lead in with the NFL game, but I would argue that this was a very very a, a, a very good experiment that PBC and Fox trotted out, having boxing and exposing a lot of their younger names to a plethora of people who have never seen, probably have never seen PBC boxing in, in their life. And now at two, now probably the final number is going to be closer to 3 million people. So that's got to be, if you're PBC, you're probably going to be feeling really, really good. And the added exposure of the pay-per-view that is coming up next weekend, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I would say that's a pretty darn good exposure for for one Vito Milnicki Jr. and some of the other guys who were big winners on that card. You had Joey Spencer getting a good knockout win over Limber uh, Ponce, Yoelvis Gomez scoring a dominant first-round TKO win over Clay Collar, who really has fallen off since that magical 2020 run where he was just knocking, we were just beating prospects left and right. And I, I still believe he should be, he should have been, you know, if there was an MVP for boxing in 2020, I, I would argue Clay Collard should be in that conversation. But Clay, Clay Collard has had, has had, had a run. Reminiscent of Jeremy Lin's run with the Knicks uh, about a decade ago, about yeah, about ten years ago when oh he that then it when, doesn't feel like ten years the, ago. Yeah, it's been about a decade now, and when he set the he set the world on fire for two weeks. Clay Collins set the world on fire 2020, and like Jeremy Lin, he's come back down to earth. <laughs> but and this was still a very good showcase fight. For Yoalbus Gomez, who is a hey, very impressive to me, he was the most impressive fighter on Saturday night. Easily, uh, Milnicki and Spencer, they don't do anything for me. I mean, eventually, when they step up to elite competition, they get they're both getting put in the hospital. They're they're not that good. All right, Milnicki lost to a, a longtime jobber in James Martin. Um, they're okay, but they're never going to be elite fighters. All right. Gomez, though, he you might have something there. You might have something there. We'll see. They keep uh, feeding him um, op- uh, better opposition. But uh, Carlos, Clay Collins, uh, Cinderella has come home. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> yeah, the, the clock has struck midnight a long time ago. <laughs> but, I mean, listen, Clay Collins was able to take that 2020 summer run and just just make a I, I wouldn't say a whole career out of it but he's certainly been able to reap the benefits of it so good yes, on him but yes. that was yes. but Gomez just looked so impressive I mean he just mauled Clay Collar from the very beginning of the fight and it was not even I mean he didn't even, Collar didn't even last the first uh, last till the end of the round that's how dominant Gomez was he he got destroyed that was a one-sided uh, mismatch. Um, looking forward to see Go- Gomez continue to uh, develop. He's got a lot of potential. 
And you, there was also an FS1 card that was served at the undercard, the prelims for that Fox card. And I got the the only one real noteworthy result was Kenneth Sims Jr. beating Keyshawn Williams by unanimous decision. This the the whole story about this was that Keyshawn was coming in as a late replacement for yeah. you know because Keyshawn and and Kenneth were not supposed to were weren't scheduled to fight each other. But there was COVID issues right. that yep. essentially for, uh, created an opportunity for this fight. And Kenneth looked, Kenneth this year has looked pretty darn good. He's coming, he got the win over Elvis Rodriguez back in May, and then goes up and beats a essentially a welterweight that yes. in Sim, in welterweight is not really. Uh, Walterway is not kind of Sims's natural weight, but he was able to beat a pretty good unbeaten prospect. And I'm not going to say that, you know, Kenneth Sims is going to explode and just suddenly have a, this great run, but I would say he's a, he's a still a young prospect to watch out of. He's only 20, he's 28. So I, I'm not sure you can still call him a prospect, hey, but he can he, still get some good wins here and he's, there. He's dangerous for anybody. All right, he's dangerous. You cannot go in the fight against Kenneth Sims like Elvis Rodriguez did and think, oh, I, all I got to do is uh, show up and I'm going to win. No, he is a tough out for anybody at 154, 160. And as you saw at 147, Kenneth Sims is a problem. Um, he's a live underdog whenever he faces somebody. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, a thought just occurred to me. If Kenneth Sims is willing to go to 147 for this fight, you really want to test out Video Mill Nicky Jr. Why not put him against yeah, Keith Sims? I I do it in a heartbeat. I don't know if PBC would do that though, but I do I, it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I don't. I, I think PBC after what happened against him and James Martin, uh, they, they, they and especially after the rating he drew Saturday night. Uh, they might go to Edgar Belanga with, with him and just keep throwing him softballs. <laughs> yeah, now the difference between what between Milnicki and Belanga, I think Milnicki has a little bit has a slightly better boxing acumen, and Milnicki is yes. still only nineteen. So you can you. afford I, I, to go I, the very long, I, long development route and the slow burn for Milnicki. I think you, you, can you know still what do that. you make. You made a great you made a great point. You you got another two, three years you could develop this kid and see if he if he could top out at being a a a, a world world contender. So yeah, you, you have a while to go. He's only nineteen. Yeah. Now there's a lot and yeah, I would say this is the only real boxing that we kinda had. Now, this next weekend that we got, I mean first of all, before we get to January first, we have a the annual Japan, big show, uh, big boxing show that they do every single year. Now, this one was this one's coming to a bit of a sour note because, or the the card is being headlined by Kazuto Ioka versus Ryoji Fukunaga, Fukunaga for the WBO Super Flyweight Title, and Ioka was not supposed to fight uh, Fukunaga. He was supposed to fight Jerwin Angahas earlier this right. month in a Super Flyweight right. Title unification, and. The issue with the new pandemic, with the new COVID variant, the Omicron variant, and Japan shutting down travel to the country, especially for sporting events like this, it's kind of put a big, big damper on all of this. But we're still getting, we're still getting a show. We're still getting Ioka, who's been enjoying an incredible run. He beat. Aston Palite in 2019 to win the WBO world title. He scored a win in the first title defense against a very game JVR Cintron later that year. And then what I would argue was maybe his most impressive performance. One of his most impressive performances in his career was a sensational win against Kosei Tanaka last year. And then a, a fight that I think will be very, very underrated just because there's been so many great fights this year. But the Francisco Rodriguez fight was was a terrific fight that also should have you know, one or two rounds, especially that 12th as a potential round of the year contender. Yeah, that, that 12th was among the best rounds of the year, and that fight could have gone either way 
and uh, Rodriguez almost, almost captured a huge upset. Uh, I was shocked at how well Rodriguez fought against him that night. And uh, anything's possible coming up this Friday. Is this Friday morning, right? Five in the morning? Uh, something like that. I'm I'm always so lost on uh, Japan time and you, how we converse to U.S. time. But I would say, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, I would argue uh, probably right around that time. Is, are there any American networks or no? No, probably not. No. no. Damn. All right. Okay. It, it, I, I I have no idea, but I do remember. God, I, I hope that um, I hope that we get what happened last year with the Kelsey Tanaka fight. That if we're not gonna get any U.S. broadcasts, or at the very least, there should be a. A, I think the Isakura uh, service, which for those of you who don't know, it's a uh, it's an online Japanese television streaming service for you know Japanese people who live outside of Japan to just watch Japanese television, uh, essentially anywhere outside of Japan, and that's how we got to see the Kazuto Ioka Kozai Tanaka fight at a relatively low price, and it really was it was a very easy, relatively easy service to sort of handle for someone who doesn't speak or read Japanese so I hope that that option is available I'm not sure but uh, we'll, 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 we'll see but regardless I, I expect Ioka to win this one uh, against I think what will be a very game Ryoji Fukunaga yeah uh, anything's possible and uh, hopefully I can find a way to watch this fight uh, Friday morning now, before we move on to this next segment, I do want to mention a quick update. We do have actually, really, it's more of an ask for you, the listener. Well, two asks. If you're listening to us for the first time, first of all, thank you very much. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, right now only through their mobile app, Please give us a five-star rating. It's very simple to do and is so beneficial for us as we attempt to climb through the podcast rankings in order to grow within the podcast ecosystem. We very, very much appreciate it here on the Pound for Pound podcast and the Fight Game Media Network. Now, on the Saturday side, the first day of 2022, I think might go down as one of the busiest days in sports slash combat sports of the year because we have a boxing pay-per-view we have fox televised prelims and they're going head-to-head with a number of big college football bowl games you also go up against a wwe pay-per-view at that same time so this pay-per-view it's um back against the wall as far as making this a huge huge success but regardless it's Luis Ortiz versus Charles Martin in a heavyweight fight. There's no title at, on the line. It's not a world title eliminator. It's a it's just a big heavyweight fight headlining a heavyweight card. And on, now this one's not going to be a full price boxing paper. It's not going to be the seventy dollars price tag that we're accustomed to seeing is going to be, I think, was $40, something like that. And it's going to be a five-fight card as opposed to four that we're also accustomed to seeing. Card runs like this. Luis Ortiz versus Charles Martin. Co-main event, Frank Sanchez versus Christian Hammer after Carlos Negron, who was supposed to be Sanchez's original opponent, went down with COVID. So Hammer comes in to replace Negron at the last second. And I don't know about you, Robert, but I would argue that this is actually a better fight. It's a much better fight. Negron had no shot. I mean, Hammer doesn't doesn't have a shot, but Hammer's a serviceable heavyweight. Carlos Negron wasn't a serviceable serviceable heavyweight. So, yeah, a much better fight. Yeah, and, and look, and... Anybody who knows me knows that, look, I love me some Carlos Negroni, and I consider him a friend, and and I've made that obvious a, a lot of times. But at the same time, if you're if we're talking about someone who you want to put in there and, be, and serve as a barometer as to where Frank Sanchez stands right now, Christian Hammer is a way better opponent for yes. Sanchez and Carlos Negron. Hammer is a veteran who's been there with a number of names. He's been in fights deep 
And I would say his chin is a little better than Carlos Negron's. Carlos Negron's chin has, you know, it's been exposed a couple of times already. So, and it, and it would have been exposed Saturday night. Hammer will give Sanchez rounds, in which what's, in which is what uh, Sanchez needs. Johnny Rice versus Michael Coffey, the rematch. Rematch, which yes. was their first fight was it was certainly surprising, but I think a lot of people were. Uh, pretty excited to see that this is gonna that they're gonna run it back. And a lot of people really wanted to see those two fight again after their first encounter a while back. So this could be another this could be a hidden gem of a fight on this card. Joel Washington versus Ali Eren Demirezen. Uh, Washington, the former Deontay Wilder opponent. Ali Eren Demirezen is a former opponent of F.A. Jogba who Sanchez had actually beaten in his last fight. And lastly, Victor Fouts versus Iago Kaladze. Beyond, I'll be honest, look, this is not a great card. This is certainly not a card that you would pay $40 to go watch. I think there's going to be some, some decent action throughout the card. But, I mean, when you're talking about that main event, Luis Ortiz versus Charles Martin. Ortiz... It, it kind of does feel like, Robert, that he's kind of been in a bit of a limbo type of, type of situation ever since this, the loss to Wilder in 2019. Yes. He's only had yes, one fight since then, and that was the... I'm sorry, but that definitely looked like a die from Alexander Flores last year. Where oh, he, 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 he came for a paycheck. That's it. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, where Ortiz hey, oh, quote unquote knocked him knocked him out yeah. in the first round, but uh, that if you look at the replay, looked a little suspect. I, not Ivan Redcash levels of suspect, but there there was a little, little bit of suspect n- nonetheless. But Charles Martin, I, I think he's been good. I, I think he's been able to recover himself well since the loss to Adam Kanaski a few years back, but. He hasn't, like, super impressed me. I mean, the last fight against Gerald Washington, I think that was a very good very good win. It was a surprisingly good performance. But that fight was back in, tw- in February of 2020. And he's going to be essentially coming off a two-year layoff. Yep. And exactly. he hasn't been able... He's technically won an IBF title eliminator, but... Doesn't seem like this fight against Ortiz. I mean, the, that the winner is going to get an immediate title shot. It's it's one of those things where I look at a fight and you're asking me to pay forty dollars, and I look at that main event and you're you're asking me, okay, what are the stakes? Like, what what does the winner seriously get? Baby Z doesn't have a doesn't have a title, so you can't promise us a a world title shot for the winner. It's not a title eliminator, so you can't even go the well. We're gonna force the sanctioning bodies to enforce a a mandatory title defense. So, well, not not unless you want to put the winner in against Wilder, but Wilder's already knocked out Ortiz twice, and uh, Martin would need a shotgun and a grenade to beat Wilder. So I don't even think he could do that. Like uh, the, the winner to fight Wilder in, a, in an eliminator type fight. So I don't know. I don't know what you do. Yeah, and and I'll say this, and Ortiz, given how long his career has been, both amateur and professionally, and this age, it doesn't look like Ortiz has been slowing down a bit. I mean, he he hasn't slowed down at all. Uh, Let's not count that Flores debacle because that was a sham. But if you saw his two fights against Wilder, he was winning both fights when he got knocked out. Yeah. Ortiz Ortiz is still a dangerous opponent for any heavyweight. Any heavyweight in the heavyweight division. He is a dangerous because he does have one punch knockout power. And he's one of those guys that can lull you to sleep with his boxing ability. Uh, Ortiz at 55 is still a live contender. He, he we don't really know. Is. We don't know. We don't know how old he is because we know historically Cuban athletes that come over here, El Duque, uh, his, uh, his 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 uh, his other brother Le- Le- Levon Hernandez. 
We don't know how old these guys. Uh, Louis Tia. We don't know how old these guys really are. <laughs> Wikipedia says he's forty-two. You, you be the judge of whether or not that's true. Add, a, add, add at least another decade. All right, come on. <laughs> I mean, regardless whether he's in his fifties or in his forties, the fact that he has oh, to he's, slow down, he's, he's still yeah. a, a quality top ten heavyweight. Be, speaks because of how Carlos, good he, is. he has. Because he has such a relaxed style. That's why guys like that could fight forever. <laughs> and especially in a heavyweight division where the last thing that leaves you is your power. He's still good. Exactly. Gonna, you know what? I, I'm going to say this. I think I'm going to say Luis Ortiz gets a late stoppage. And I will say this. Yes. I think this will be a decent fight. I think this will be a an okay fight. I think this will be a fight where we're like, okay, I don't feel completely ripped off for paying 40 bucks on this. By the way, my my uh my favorite fight of the night, fighter of the night, will be on the undercard. Frank Martin on the on the FS1. I've been touting him for a long time. It's actually going to be on, on Fox. Actually on Fox. Oh, it's on Fox. Oh, wow! And he fights Romero Duno, who is a very capable fighter. So that I look forward to seeing that. Yes, the Fox televised prelims, which for some reason is going to start at. Start three hours before the pay per view, but only two advertised fights. So it's Frank Martin versus Romero Duno and Giovanni Bruson versus Lenier Pero. But obviously, the the marquee fight of that undercard is Martin versus Duno. Duno, I let's disregard the first round knockout loss to Ryan Garcia a couple of he years got caught. ago. He got he still, caught. He got caught. Yeah, he got caught. Yeah. But he's still such, he's still a very, very good young yes. Filipino fighter that will undoubtedly be Frank Martin's toughest test up to date. And he's the type of fighter, Carlos, that'll bring the best out of Frank Martin because he's aggressive and he will force Frank to throw combinations move. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Frank Martin yet, find a way to watch the Fox card at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Even if you don't buy the pay-per-view, uh, watch Frank Martin because he's I believe he will shine. And I've been saying this for the longest. He's one of my five fighters in the future to look out for. Like I said, we're I'm not even gonna count boots anymore. He's a contender. I'm looking at Jer uh Jared Anderson, Frank Martin, Sanders Zayas as those three guys that the future the ceiling is unlimited for these three fighters. I, I do not doubt that at all, and I fully agree with you on the, uh, on that. Bit of a piece of news that we got uh, over the last uh, few days or so. The boy, the this whole situation with John Real Casimero. We discussed this last week. About yeah, yeah. about what his title, whether or not he's actually going to be able to, uh, whether or not he's going to keep it or not. The WBO has said, "All right, Casimiro's team has given has provided documentation of his hospital stay that forced him to miss the weigh-ins of the now canceled fight against Paul Butler." But now we got a couple of things. One, Casimiro. Do, will keep his title, his WBO Bantamweight title. But Pro that's Bellum, what, that's what you told us last week. Yeah, Pro Bellum will has 15 days as of well. I guess by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be nine days more or less. Uh, Pro Bellum has nine days to decide whether or not they want to reschedule that fight, Casimiro versus Butler. And if that is the case, if Casimiro misses the weigh-in. Or is unable to fight, or for whatever reason can't go forward with the fight, he will be immediately stripped of the title. If he gets hurt and it's unable to title uh, to fight, he will be stripped of his title. Really, they're keeping him on a super tight leash. That was what the official that's the the official resolution was. But then, a couple of hours later, the WBO amended their resolution because they just found out that there's been something on social media saying that John Real Casimero was going to be fighting a, a YouTuber or something, but it was, 
whether or not that was going to be like an exhibition fight or something scripted or I don't know. That was nothing about that was ever made clear and it almost seemed like a what the hell is going on. The WBO <laughs> the WBO went and amended the resolution and basically said if you pull any crap that prevents this fight from happening, you're going to be stripped. Oh, and wow. not just that. If you do anything without Pro Bellum or the WBO's permission, you're going to be stripped. So we want to talk about a tight leash. That's about as tight as you can get. Kudos to the WBO for that uh, section. Uh, finally, a, a governing body stepping up when they're supposed to. The Showtime January 22nd card from Atlantic City. Gary Rosa Jr. versus Mark Masayo in the main event. We got the we got the rest of the TV card. The rematch between Subriel Matias versus Petros Ananian is the co-main event. And Tuxtag Nyamba Yard versus Vic, Vic Besiegis is the TV card opener. That's a pretty darn good card in my opinion. And Showtime continues to give us quality boxing card. Card after card after card. This is a tremendous card. I love it. It was a it's a very very good card and I think we're going to learn a lot about uh, on that 9th and January 22nd. Super Matias versus Petros Ananian. I think that's going to be the fight of the night in my opinion. Let me Matias right now is the most exciting TV fighter out there. There's no such thing as a boring fight when he steps in the ring. You get your money's worth plus Whenever he fights, yeah, and my goodness, he is some. He is a guy that also carries himself with such a big chip on his shoulder. Every time, even even outside of the ring, you, you get a sense that this is a guy that wants that feels like he has something to prove to everyone. Especially now with the loss to Petros Ananian uh, a while back. Man, I expect fireworks on that one. I expected honestly a, a very be, aggressive Matias. What 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 uh weight class will this fight be at? Uh that's a good question. If will it be at 140 or 147? Let me see. It's a believe it just believe it's gonna be 140. You know what fight I would love to see if there was a way to make it is him against uh <laughs> Mitch Rivera. <laughs> I, would, I would love I think that would be a great fight because he'd force Rivera to fight oh I, I wish they could there was a way they could make that fight and that would be a great fight because Rivera's a boxer but Tia's keeps adding pressure to him and we will see we will we, we will learn a lot from Rivera if he could beat a Matias and I hope that somehow some way that fight could be made in 2022. Yeah, I think that'll be a... I think that would make for a really good fight, regardless. Yes. And I honestly do not remember if I had mentioned this on last week's show, but as a just in case, Xavier Martinez versus Hobson Conceição for January. Yes, you did. Okay. You did. You uh, did. Honestly. Uh, 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 quick, quick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, news. On the Tyson Fury front, as far as who he's fighting next. So, there's going to be, so, let me just get the big one out of the way. If it's, if you're thinking Dillian White, there's a good chance it's not going to be Dillian White. Because Dillian White is currently in arbitration with the WBC regarding the purse split over a fight, a potential fight against Tyson Fury. So, it's, then there's not going to be a hearing until March. And right, Fury's right. not going to be waiting that long. So, there are a couple of names that Bob Barum has been throwing around. Whether or not that's actually going to end up being the case, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. But the two names that Aram is kind of throwing around is Andy Ruiz in Las Vegas or Robert Helenis in Manchester. This is a I mean I like both of those fights if I'm being I like clear. both of those fights either one I will satisfy as an interim fight between in between 
now and when he finally fights White or the winner of Usek versus Joshua. Yeah, I mean, it's also entirely possible that depending on when Joshua and Usyk fight again, Tyson may just outright wait until that fight's over and then pursue the winner. Because if I don't know if we're going to get a final result in that arbitration meeting in March between White and the WBC. So this could extend past March. And depending on when Joshua and Usyk takes place, hell, we may just get, we may just see Tyson Fury fight for the undisputed heavyweight title in his next fight. I'll think if the planet, if the stars align for, for him. I would, I would, I would blame, him, especially after coming off of a war against uh, Wilder. His body could use the rest. Yeah, yeah, he he certainly he certainly does, and I guess hope it's not like a year long rest. That's the thing. I'm fine with him taking maybe six, uh, four, five, six months, but a year, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It would it wouldn't bother me if he was to fight in March either Helenus or Ruiz. Uh, it'd be a good tune up for him before he either fights White or the winner of Usyk Joshua. Uh, what what month do you think Usyk Joshua will occur? Will, will occur? I'm gonna make a quick prediction and say April. I'll say okay. April. That's a, that sounds about in, in Dubai. You think or, or or England? Boy, I don't know. I I don't. Part of me feels like Middle East is could potentially looking be looking more and more attractive, depending on how the UK keeps handling the uh, COVID. Because if there's if the, if by the time we get to February. And they're on a some sort of lockdown or at least limited audience capacity. Eddie Hearn could look at the Middle East and see big, big dollar signs and might just move the fight there. So I think we're still in a bit of a waiting period as to what happens with the Omicron variant and its impact on the world. So I think we're, we're essentially back to how we were. A year ago, where we're just waiting and see how things go, how we respond to the to COVID. It's God. I hate the fact that we're at essentially in 2022, and we're still dealing with this. We're still dealing with this, man. It's it's ridiculous. My opinion. It's 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 damn right frustrating. We're still technically in 2021, but. On the Fight Game Media website, we have started to put out our year-end awards. But this time, we're kind of doing it in a little bit differently. We're not doing it like all the awards uh, for the sports in one article. We're kind of doing it little by little. And this time, we the article. This article is definitely out, so you can go ahead and read that on FightGameMedia.com. But the first award was the Breakout Star of the Year. And Robert and I did not know what each other's picks were before the article was uh, uploaded. So we had no idea. And I was very curious to see what Robert had put in. I'm not, I'm not surprised at all at his pick. He picked Jerron Boots Ennis, who we had spoken much, much about throughout 2021 and with good reads. And I had picked George Cambosos Jr. And I think that if you're really thinking, if you really look at it, I think that those are maybe the top two picks for breakout there, there's star. No, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Cambosos really broke out with his incredible upset victory over Tiafimo Lopez. He came, he got up from a knockdown in which he was ready to go, survive to dominate the rest of the fight, and prove that he will be a tough out for any of the lightweights, whether it be Tank Davis, whether it be Devin Haney, whether it be Lomachenko, any of those guys will have a tough time trying to beat the Aussie from down under. And Jerron Boots-Ennis, as I have said over and over again for the last two, three years, is, in my opinion, the next legendary welterweight champion of the world. The welterweight division being the richest division in the history of boxing when it comes to all-time great 
talent. We're talking Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, Pepino Cuevas, Wilfred Benitez. Uh, we could go on all day. Felix Trinidad, Oscar De La Hoya, Sugar Shane Mosley, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao. In that tradition, I believe Jerron Bootsenders will continue that legacy. I, I, full, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And, you know, this year, I, more than anything, Ennis is finally taking that step into being a contender. I mean, he's no longer a prospect. He beat a guy in Sergey Lipinets who was a borderline top 10 welterweight at the time. He was a former world champion at 140. Then he beat a very, very uh, durable Thomas Delorme in knocking him down and knocking him out in the first round. And, like, you want to talk about, like, statement victories? I mean, that's about as good as you can get. And, yeah, it does kind of feel like, yeah, I think those two guys were head and shoulders above everyone else. I think there are a couple of people that I think you can put in the, I guess, honorable mentions category. And it's kind of keeping things in the welterweight division. It, I, I think that guys like Virgil Ortiz and Connor Ben, to a much lesser extent, also kind of broke out this year. Ortiz with that great win against Maurice Hooker and Connor Ben, especially with that, that just devastating knockout against Chris Algieri. Like those two guys. Like Jerron Ennis, they've both taken some big steps into their, their development, and they're really making the welterweight division to such a fun division in for 2022 and 2023, if you ask me. Look, after Bud and Errol either move up or retire, these three fighters that we mentioned will be taking will be taking over the reins as far as who's gonna dominate 147. And as good as Ben and Ortiz are. They're not as good as Ennis. They're not as good as Ennis. And Ennis beats both those guys when they eventually, hopefully, fight. Oh, man. And you know what? That would be a great fight if Ben and Ortiz were to fight before either one fought Ennis. That would be a war. That'd be a really good fight. That'd be a really... Yeah, it, but it shows that like there's there's a lot of new life being breathed into this division, and and we're talking we talk about the future, but in the present, it, now I'm gonna pose this question to you as an honorable mention because he beat Manny Pacquiao. Do we include your Dennis Ugas as a potential breakout star of the year as an honorable 100%, mention? One hundred percent. 100% because he pulled off an upset uh I, I I predicted that he would he would have I predicted that he should win but would get robbed <laughs> so I, I figured he was going to be the better fighter than Pacquiao but if you guys remember from the Patreon epi- episode my prediction was Pacquiao by robbery no they didn't they didn't rob Ugas Ugas was impressive that night uh that jab that right hand counter and while I don't think he'll beat Errol Spence, it will not be an easy night for Errol Spence as Errol Spence continues to amaze me, Carlos, mm-hmm. by taking a very, very huge risk after he makes a comeback from an injury. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's insane to for for Spence to be constantly going through these going through these major ordeals. I mean, there was the huge car accident in 2019, goes back and beats Danny Garcia, and then now he's dealing, he had this eye injury, now he's going back and fighting what may be the trickiest welterweight to beat, not named Ter- Terrence Crawford today, and, and you're Dennis uh, Ugas. Yep. Yep. And, and going on to the next uh, segment, pr- pr- our predictions for 2022, I'm finally going to predict that this is the year that you're going to get Crawford versus Spence. Because after, if Spence beats Ugas, and I'm going to say if because Ugas is a very live underdog in that fight, there's only one fight to be made, and mm-hmm. Terrence Crawford is a free agent. That's the fight to be made. Terrence Crawford fights whoever in the in, in the meantime, and then I'm hoping and I'm predicting that in the fall of 2022, we get that super fight Crawford versus uh, Spence. What do you think, Carlos? 
Man, I gotta be honest. I'm I'm, I'm tired of saying every year for the last two or three years, this is the year we're gonna yeah, see but, Crawford's but, wins. But, but this is the best opportunity because there's no Aram Heyman interference. I mean, Crawford could fight him and fight for PBC for that one night. It, it, he doesn't have anything holding him back from fighting because I've always felt that the reason this fight didn't happen was because of the networks and the promoters in the way. You don't have that anymore. I'm going to say, uh, okay, here's going to be my prediction. I believe, well, first of all, this is kind of like a two-part. This is kind of like a a conditional prediction. If Keith Thurman beats Mario Barrios in a couple of months, Crawford fights Keith Thurman. And that's going to take place in the summer. I, I think that they I think that if they are actually going to go through with this, I think that they will announce Crawford versus Spence this year, but okay. it will take place early 2023. And by the way, uh it, why don't he just face the winner cuz Barrios has a legit shot at beating Thurman. That's possible. It's possible, yeah, but but I don't think Keith Thur- but I don't think Barrios is a sexy enough of a name for Crawford's first I, fight. I agree. So, I agree that Crawford should fight the winner regardless because I think they would right. make for interesting fights. But because because ladies and gentlemen, if Thurman loses, there's only one other opponent I can see going in the ring with the great Terrence Bud Crawford. If it's not Thurman, and that's Boots Ennis. Which would that would be a phenomenal fight. That'd be a phenomenal <laughs> fight in my opinion. So this year in two thousand twenty two is gonna be a very intriguing and possibly special year at welterweight. Uh when it comes to the heavyweights, do you think we'll have Fury versus the winner of Usyk Joshua in two thousand twenty two? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one because again as I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think that a lot of it hinges on what happens with with Dillian White and the WBC. The if, arbitration. Yes. Right. If this go extends into the summer, I'll say I'm gonna predict yes that I think we do get Usyk versus Fury. I but even then I I, I say this very very hesitantly because I feel like when it comes to these big big fights. It does you every time where we're looking and seeing, okay, this is gonna be the year, is that there are parts there are elements of it that you can see falling into place and making it happen. But as the year goes on, it becomes a lot tougher to sort of predict it. And the close and the more the more the year goes on, the less likely it happens. And if we're not already on that road, then it makes it a lot harder to really predict when it's going to happen. I think if Usyk wins, I think there's a very good possibility that we'll, that we can get that fight uh, for the undisputed heavyweight title. If Joshua wins, then you know we're going to have a trilogy. We're going to have a trilogy. You're going to have a trilogy. And what what about what happened? What what about the same thing happening in 2021? Happening in 2022, that is, uh, Usyk beats Joshua, Fury about to sign with Usyk, and the WBC arbitration rules, oh no, you, you gotta wait, because White has the right to beat, to fight you, because uh, he won his arbitration. <laughs> that, okay, I think that, I think that will depend on a couple of, th- I think that depends on what happens first. If White, if the whole arbitration thing ends before Pen is uh, pen reaches paper, Ink. then right. yeah, yeah. But if Fury, if we already get like an announced date with location, right. with a network, and, and the whole nine yards before we get the final ruling, then I think that then I think the unification fight will go through because a lot of it, a lot, a lot of people think that. Unification trumps mandatory. It's a blanket statement, but a lot, but it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I think a lot of it has to do with timing. You can't just say, 
oh, I'm unifying this guy, so I can't do this mandatory. No, you have to be able to show proof and you'd already done everything to make it official, not just agree on something, negotiate. No, everything has to be official. So I, so I think that whatever comes first will be the result that stands. If the arbitration ends and White is happy with the end result, then Fear is going to be, be fighting Dillian White. If White can get the, the winner of Usyk versus Joshua before that whole thing with White and the WBC ends, then we're going to get the unification. I think it all depends on timing. Now, my, now your prediction for what's in store for Saul Canelo Alvarez in 2022. You know, about a month ago, I probably would have stuck with the Canelo fights along Makabu, but the more I look at this, I'm just thinking, I don't know if it's actually going to happen. I don't know. Maybe it does happen, maybe it doesn't, but I mean, first of all, Canelo recently said that he didn't even know that uh, Eddie Reynoso went to the BBC and it's like, hey, can we fight along Makabu? Can Canelo fight for a cruiserweight title? I didn't even know about that. Like this was like. Something. But wait, but wait a minute. Wasn't there a photo op with him and Makabu? Canelo and Mak- I saw. No, a photo well, that right was after. after. That was after. That yeah. was after. Yeah. That was after. I'm talking about like the moment Reynoso did what he did at the WBC convention, which was before that face-off. Right. Okay. All right. Okay. Because so. um. Okay. That being said, what do you think Canelo does in 2022? Who does he fight? Does he fight Makabu? Makabu? Does he go up to 175? Does he face somebody at 168? What do you think he does in 2022? I think regardless of whether or not he fights Ilunga Makabu for the Cruiserweight title, I think we're going to see in the second half of 2022 Canelo make a run at light heavyweight. Now, whether that- I agree with you a hundred percent. If all right, whether he fights Makabu or not, who does he face first at one seventy five? Hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb. And by the way, when I make the, when we're making these predictions, obviously these are off the cuff. I'm not saying this with any like hard evidence. Right, 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 right. I think in my fate. Uh, fight Joe Smith. I think my. Friend- I thought the same thing. <laughs> oh, we're on the same fucking page. <laughs> I love it. Yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking Makabu and then Joe Smith in a pay per view, and then we and- take it from there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think. Yep. Listen, and- 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 and I don't think Canelo has anything super against. Uh, Eddie Hearn. Uh, I mean, Bob, against Bob Arum. And, and if you're Eddie Hearn, yeah, you want to have Canelo fight Dimitri Bivol. But if Canelo goes and fights Joe Smith Jr. or Arthur Betterbia for that matter, and he wins and he takes their respective light heavyweight titles, it makes the fight with Bivol even bigger. Which Eddie Hearn would be happy, uh, happier. Exactly. Which would, exactly. So. I think at the end of the year we'll see, we'll have I think we could see Canelo Alvarez the light heavyweight champion. Whether or not he actually is a cruiserweight champion, I think that's a whole different thing. Which is funny because I've been thinking about. But even even if he even if he gets it, he's giving it up. Back. He's giving it right. Yeah. Back that night. He's not staying. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna be. It's 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 gonna be a similar situation with his first run as light heavyweight champion. He beats yes. Sergey Kovalev. Yes. All right, bye. Drops the WBO light heavyweight title. I, wow. I mean, that, that, that's true. And one last final prediction, and this is going to be probably the hardest one out of all of them. Okay. What's next for Shakur Stevenson? Why is he in limbo? Your gun to your head, where does he go next? Let's look at, let's break this down. He said 130. He has the title. He's he just got done beating Jamel Herring. 
we can say I, I think at this point we can we can bet that he's not fighting Oscar Valdez or any of the WBC or any of the contenders at the top of the WBC rankings. So there's a few names in here. There's a, the names that I'm looking at the WBO rankings. Boy, this is not great. It's Arch- Archie Sharp's number one in the WBO. Let ring. me tell you something. He beats Archie Sharp and the next three guys below him on the same night if he wanted to. Right? And on the, the same fucking night. Right? The three guys below him are Muhammad, uh, Muhammad Guja Yakubov, Abraham Nova, and Lamont Roach Jr. I can see Abraham Nova. I, you know what? I can see Abraham Nova being a guy uh, who gets that call. I can also see Roach getting it because isn't he a top-ranked fighter also? Uh, Lamont, no, I think he's a Golden Boy fighter. Oh, no, he's Golden Boy because he fought on DAZN last time. You're right. You're right. My bad. Yeah. He fought He fought a couple of weeks ago. He yeah, beat, he beat Rene Alvarado. He beat Alvarado. He beat Rene Alvarado. You know what? Which, yeah. was, a, which was an impressive win by Roach. Yes. You know, actually, I'll take it back. I'll say Lamont Roach. I think Lamont Roach is, uh, I think he's definitely earned, he's fought his way back into challenging for a world title. I mean, I know he got out uh, outboxed by Jamel Herring a couple of years ago, but it's hard to argue he's that, he has, that, he, he's, that he hasn't looked impressive. He's got much better since. He's got yeah. much better since. And yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that as a fight for Shakur. To me, he's a step down from what he should be fighting. It'll be a uh, be it'll be a uh, stay busy fight, but I mean, uh, Arab has this incredible talent, and how you don't put him against Valdez, it's criminal, man. It, you know, it's criminal when Pacquiao and Mayweather or Spencer Crawford can't fight because of politics. It's even more criminal when Valdez and Shakur can't fight, and there's no politics involved. Yeah, that's gets ridiculous. It's apt. actually actually another name that I could see fighting Shakur Stevens is Miguel Burchelt. Burchelt would be uh, tailor made for Shakur. Shakur would shine, and that would be the end of Burchelt's career. Yeah, sign me up for that if you can't get Valdez, because uh, he will beat the stuffing out of Miguel Burchelt. It, it'll be, I will make a prediction if they do fight this year. It will be similar to how Floyd Mayweather beat the pasting out of uh, Aturagati. It'll be that type of beating. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I, I honestly can see that. I, I I have not seen anything from Burchell that would indicate me that he's become a drastically better boxer and a less predictable <laughs> boxer than he was against Oscar Valdez. No, uh, Valdez boxed his ears off. So you could just imagine what Shakur is going to do. Now, <laughs> before we end the show, there are a couple of things I do want to point out. Uh, first of all, I do want to make this prediction of the following. One, that both Michaela Meyer and Alicia Baumgartner, who I think should also be considered honorable mentions for breakout star of the year. Because I, I honestly believe that they, those two really shined this year, especially Meyer who you can tell has top rank has really, really stepped up dr- drastically in their promotion of Michaela Meyer. They've been putting her on TV so many times and she's really become, she is, she's become a star in her own right. Not just as a boxer, but as a broadcaster. She's, she's a surprisingly good broadcaster for, um, you know, as someone who had never done it before, She's kind of got a bit of a natural feel to it. Hey, uh, Carlos, she's a natural behind the mic. Yeah, she is. She is. And my prediction is that Michaela Meyer and Alicia Bumgarner are going to fight in 2022. And it might just be one of the five best fights, regardless of gender, of the year. You know how I feel about Alicia Bumgarner. She's the first female boxer I've become a fan of. And that's saying a lot because of Layla Ali and Clarissa Shields. When Baumgartner bombed her last opponent, and I love her Roy Jones crab-like style, 
Yeah, uh, that that should be a pay per view. That that should be a headline. You talking about Charles Martin versus Luis Ortiz? <laughs> no, got Bob Gardner versus Michaela should be a pay per view, a headline pay per view down the line in 2022, uh, and um, that will be a fight we both will be looking forward to. Hopefully, it's made. Uh, don't don't both have to have a fight in between. Uh, uh, Right, they they not they can't fight each other right away. Aren't they scheduled to fight other people before they fight each other? I well, yeah, but it's, it's a long year. I don't have I. There's no doubt in my mind that I think they're gonna be fighting twice at least. So okay, they're gonna. Right. I, I'm gonna say this, and if you're gonna if you want to really do a pay per view, you need time to build it up. You really, especially Baumgartner, yes. who's still a relative unknown in the United States. Outside of boxing fans who watches boxing from the UK, but you can right. still do that fight. I mean, you can build that fight, and Bumgarner's so charismatic, and I think she's such a likable uh, personality that you can definitely uh, hype up Bumgarner to the point where people Look, will want to you see have, her fight. You have two. You have two attract, attractive females with incredible boxing ability. You could easily build this fight up. Yeah, and I think it'll be a phenomenal fight. I think we're also going to get... I think this will be the year of the women's super fights in 2022. Because I think we're going to get that. I think we're going to get Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor. And we're going to get Savannah Marshall versus Clarissa Shields. And what's going to be a... Uh, one of the surprisingly it was one of the most highly anticipated grudge matches in all of boxing in 2022 because they've been jawing at each other for years and obviously you got the built-in storyline of savannah being the last person to ever right. own a win over clarissa shields in the in boxing the amateurs. ring right in the amateurs right right so man those are if you if your prediction comes through and you have those three fights happen, those are three of the biggest fights in the history of women's boxing, possibly all happening in the same calendar year. And not just that, you also got, you know, the women, women's 140-pound tournament between uh, Callie Hayes and Chantel Cameron, where the winner becomes the undisputed champion. So there's so, so that's at least four really really that's big four. fights. That's that's four huge massive female fights for 2022. Um, man, uh, we will we will revisit this in six months to see if any of these predictions have not come true but are about to occur. All right, so we'll we'll check back with y'all in six months. <laughs> but uh. Man, boxing would be so phenomenal if half the predictions Carlos made come true. <laughs> now, real quick before we end this, who's going to be your – what's your prediction for who's going to be breakout star of 2022? Uh, Zandes Zayas. I, I – for – I, I want to say – Zayas is going to win – I predict that he's going to win some type of – of title this year i think that xander maybe is i think he could i think he might be 2023 i think 2022 might in my opinion i think jared anderson is going to be breakout star of 2022 who's he going to fight though that's a good that's a good point that's a very good point and there, there's plenty of guys. There's plenty of veterans. I mean, where... He's gonna, he's gonna be beating your run of the mill. Hey, you know what? This guy wants to fight again. Put him in with Chisora. Fuck it. <laughs> he wants to fight again. Put him in with Chisora. If he does that, I mean, first Put of all, that's gonna, that's gonna, first of all, that's gonna be a hell of a fight. And if and if hey, Jared Anderson about... wins that one, there's no way you can deny me that Jared Anderson is gonna be uh, hey, not gonna be the breakout hey, star. How about this? This this will this will uh clinch it for you. Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker. I don't Those think fights pa- are I, I, I honestly don't think Parker is gonna go to fight Jared Anderson. I think he's got his sets his, his sights set on 
on a world title opportunity. It's not going to happen next uh, year. It's not going to happen, but he's going to be All right. Well, it. well, how about Joe how about uh he fights uh how about Anderson fights Chisora and then Man, I just I he, I just had him at the tip of my tongue. Oh yeah, Daniel Dubois. Hmm. I want you I want to find a way for you to say, yeah, he's the breakout star. <laughs> he's he's got to beat significant opposition. Yeah. Right? Chisora and Dubois. But, had, I, but had, I can had, argue on the, on, on the other end that I don't think Sam DeSantis is going to be facing significant opposition next year. I think. That's true. That's I, think, true I, too, I think he's still another he's year be, away from getting that type of competition. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll I'm, I'm going to stick with Zayas just to be different from you. But, uh, I agree with you that Anderson has the better opportunity to be a breakout star. But just to be different, I'm going <laughs> to stick to my cuts with head desires. <laughs> All right, Robert, working to good people. Find you on Twitter and read your work. Uh, t- uh, Twitter, my handle is RobertSilver5768. Uh, FightGameMedia.com, our parent website, the parent website of this, of the Patreon and of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., is where you can read my work. Right now, I'm working on the 45 greatest fighters in the last 45 years. Uh, my number 24 will be coming out very soon. That is going to be my fighter of the year. Hint, hint. And uh, number 23, uh, here's another hit. This man retired undefeated softball from Wales. All right. So uh, you you boxing fans out there, you could easily come up with who's my number 24 and who's my number 23 greatest fighters of the last 45 years. You can also find me at Carlos Toro Media on Twitter. You can also read some of my work at fightgamemedia.com. And with that, he's Robert Silva, I'm Carlos Toro, and we'll see you next time on the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network, which will be the first show of 2022. Until then, have a happy, happy new year, end of 2021. I hope you all enjoy it. Stay safe. And until then, we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.